An interesting question came up in our small group study uh, last week. Uh, one that I hadn't really thought about before, but I found it interesting. The question was this, what's the difference between Jesus as our advocate and Jesus as our intercessor? Well, welcome to Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Scripture tells us that Jesus is both our advocate with the Father in, in 1 John 2, 1, which says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Hebrews 7, 25 says that Jesus continually intercedes for us. Um, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, at first glance, Christ's two functions after his ascension seem very similar. And indeed, there is some overlap between the two roles. Yet the scripture presents a nuanced and very beneficial difference between the two. And the question arose in our study because of a quote by John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, here's the quote. Christ as priest goes before and Christ as an advocate comes after. Christ as priest continually intercedes. Christ as advocate in case of great transgressions pleads. Now, in other words, intercession is something that Christ is doing all of the time, while advocacy is something that he does on occasion when it's called for. Now, it seems like he intercedes for us because of our general condition of sinfulness, but that he advocates for us in the case of some specific sins. And Jesus is revealed in scripture as the fulfillment of the Old Testament offices of prophet, priest, and king. So in his priestly role, seen reflected in the Aaronic priesthood of the Old Testament, Jesus always intercedes for his pe people, namely the church. Jesus offered himself as the perfect final sacrifice for sin, which will never need to be repeated. Jesus fulfilled all the expectations of the Old Testament sacrifices and also the expectations of all of the priests who offered those sacrifices on behalf of the people of God. Now, Jesus is the final great high priest who intercedes for us so that we can be assured of continual acceptance into God's presence. His ongoing priestly intercession um, is evidence that even as Christians, we need representation before the Father. Now, that doesn't mean we're on shaky ground at all. While sin still remains on us until the day that we are glorified, because Christ has entered into the holy place of heaven, we have a steadfast anchor of hope to enter into God's presence by the work of our high priest. So. How is Jesus praying for us in his intercessory role? Well, some theologians have argued that Jesus' work of intercession is only an act of remaining in the Father's presence as a continual reminder uh, that he paid the penalty for our sins. And now if that's the case, Jesus doesn't pray specific prayers about our individual needs or our lives, but he just stands there mutely as a representative. Well, this is not at all the meaning of the word intercession. Whenever that word is used, it means to meet with someone and to talk with them. 
to come to someone so as to address an issue or apply something uh, to the need of another. For a picture of how this works, Paul's appearance in his defense before King Agrippa in Acts 25 and 26, a very good illustration, Paul was given an opportunity to speak in his own defense and he spoke directly to the magistrate. Paul was appealing or petitioning his case and in Acts 15:24, Luke uses the very same word for intercession there. Therefore, we shouldn't think of Jesus as silent, but actually praying specific prayers for our needs and the needs of the church. Um, I'm sure, uh, I'm, I'm not sure which, which theologian actually said it, but he captured the idea real well. When, uh, when we pray our prayers, he said this, when we pray, the Spirit takes up our prayers, straightens them out a little bit, brings them to Jesus, who then makes them into what they should have been so that the Father answers the prayers according to His will. Now, that's a great picture of why we need Jesus as our intercessor. So now let's ask, how about Jesus' role uh, how does that differ from being an advocate? Uh, the Greek word for advocate will be very familiar to us. It's the word paraclete. It's the same word Jesus used for the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. When used of the Holy Spirit, it can be translated a, a counselor, a helper, or a comforter. A paraclete is someone who is called alongside of another person in order to give aid. It's actually got a legal term to it, a legal bent to it, referring to a lawyer, uh, one who pleads the case of the defense uh, for a person accused of a crime. So in 1 John 2, 1, the passage that John tells us that he's written uh, the letter so that you may not sin, but John tells us if anyone does sin, we have um, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And it isn't a question of if we will sin, but whenever we sin. And so, this sounds very technical, but the word, the Greek word for if can be understood in th three different ways. But here I think John is using the word in a way that means that it's more than probable uh, about a future condition that Christians will sin. And this probability is made stronger because of John's state statement, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. So when John Bunyan suggested that Jesus' advocacy is for great uh, transgressions, I take that to mean that Jesus acts as our defense attorney and he pleads our case with the Father. Uh, we might think of his role as a heightened form of intercession. Jesus is interceding for us all the time, 24-7, just as the Old Testament priests offered sacrifices uh, daily as a continual sweet-smelling savor to God to intercede uh, for the need of mercy for his people. But just as the high priest went into the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement, that day was a heightened, more dramatic form of intercession that was infused with much more meaning than the daily sacrifices. So why do we need an advocate like Jesus? Because Satan steps up his regular accusations of us before God, urging the Father that we might be forever disinherited. When we sin, we come to Christ in repentance as our advocate to deal with our sin. 1 John 1, 9 says it, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
He exercises his advocacy with righteousness, meaning that he admits that our, our sin is ours and he admits it to the Father. He doesn't forgive uh, once uh, and then complain, now look what you've done, you've gone and done it again. Uh, if I knew you were gonna do this, I doubt I would have forgiven you in the first place. God is simply not like that. In a fictitious exchange between the father, the son, and the devil, theologian David Guzik writes this. It's as if we stand as the accused in the heavenly court before our righteous judge, God the Father. Our advocate stands up to answer the charges. He is completely guilty, Your Honor. He has even done worse than what he's been accused of. And, and now he makes a full and complete confession before you. The gavel slams down and the judge asks, what should the sentence be? And our advocate says, his sentence should be death. He deserves the full wrath of this righteous court. Now all along, our accuser Satan is having great fun with all of this because we're guilty and he admits that we're guilty. We admit we're guilty. We see our punishment, but then the advocate asks to approach the bench. And as he draws close to the judge, he simply says, Father, this one belongs to me. I paid that price. I took the wrath and the punishment from this court that he deserved. And the gavel sounds again and the judge cries out, guilty as charged, penalty satisfied. Our accuser starts going crazy. Aren't you even gonna put him on probation? No, the judge shouts. The penalty has been completely paid by my son. There is nothing to put him on probation for. And then the judge turns to our advocate and he says, son, you said that this one belongs to you. I release him into your care. Case closed. Now, I hope this helps a little bit to assure you that you have all of heaven on your side daily and when you sin. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for joining me and thanks to Steve Dine behind the camera, making it possible for Wisdom A to A to fulfill its mission of stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You'll be of good cheer.